Hi everyone, this is Michelle Gale. I'm so grateful you're here. And before we get started, I just wanted to share with you that I'll be launching my first ever free online conference called Mindful Parenting in a Messy World from September 18th to the 20th. We're going to have 15 speaker interviews, some of which include Rick Hansen, Susan Kaiser-Greenland, Dr. Shafali Sabari. You can register at conference.michellegale forward slash podcast. Make sure to register here because I'll be sending my podcast listeners a free bonus webinar titled Big Emotions and What to Do with Them. You can also find that link in the podcast notes. And I'm also offering a four-week online course in October called Mindful Parenting, the Foundations of Practice. It'll be a weekly course focused on mindfulness of the breath, body, emotions, and thoughts. We'll have a private Facebook group and weekly practices, and it'll be recorded each time so you can watch whenever it works for you. I'd love to have you join me. You can go to my website, beamindfulparent.com for more information, or just sign up to my weekly email list and you'll stay up to date on all the ways we can grow together as a community. And you will also receive my weekly musings. <laughs> Enjoy the podcast. Thanks for being here. Welcome back to the podcast, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. I'm your host, Michelle Gale, and I am here today with Roshi Joan Halifax. She is a medical anthropologist, an ecologist, a civil rights activist, a hospice caregiver. She's been at the forefront of engaged Buddhism for the past four decades. She founded the Upaya Institute and Zen Center in Santa Fe, New Mexico in 1990. And I've known her long enough to know that she is a force of nature and (laughs) fierce devotion to relieving suffering and even ending suffering on our planet. Welcome, Roshi Joan. Um, Thank you, Michelle. It's just great to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we were having a little conversation right before um, uh, the formal opening of the podcast. And about my new book, Standing at the Edge, Finding Freedom Where Fear and Courage Meet. And, um, you know, I want to say that I wrote a lot of the book thinking of myself as a parent. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not a biological parent. I have many friends who are biological parents from whom I learn every day. But also I feel that um, the, so much of the work that I've done in the world for the past 50 or more years has been um, really in the spirit of what it is to be a mother mm. and, um, uh, and also the challenges. Yes. And so, you know, those are reflected in the book in terms of the kinds of experiences that I describe as edge states. So what do you think of that description? I'm curious. Yes. You know, I, as I had told you, as I was reading the book, that was what was happening for me. You know, I was really, it was just such a metaphor for motherhood and for parenting. And, you know, even, you know, I was thinking, you know, when our, when you, when we have a newborn, right? And everything's so new and intense and it's so easy to um, fall off the edge of these edge states, during those times, or if we have a child with neurological differences, with autism, with ADD, um, you know, the, it's so easy to, um, to be able to slip over the edge. And so, and it's also the greatest learnings of our life, which you talk about in the book. Yeah. 
Yeah, I um, I have been the, uh, so privileged um, to be able to uh, bear witness to people in all kinds of walks of life, um, yeah. speaking about their endeavors to be of service to others and how that has affected them both beneficially, inspirationally, um, in terms of identity and beyond identity, but also the afflictions that arise when we are at, you know, in this role of service to others, whether it's a, a parent, the parent of an organization, the parent of a, a, a biological child, um, the parent of an idea, the parent of a nation. Yes. And so this is, you know, um, what I've learned is how important these virtues are that I describe in the book as edge states. And I also, I, oh, sorry, Roger. I'd love for you to yeah. start there so we can kind of give everyone the idea of what those, what those virtues are. Yeah. Um, so uh, the first um, uh, edge state I describe is altruism. Mm. And it is that uh, selfless concern for the well-being of others and also selfless action in relation to others. And um, the fraught side of altruism is known as pathological altruism. Mm. It's a kind of altruism where we harm ourselves mentally or physically. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you can see that in parenting, right? You can really yeah, totally. see how that would, because we so want to do everything, you know, for our children. We want to give them everything we didn't have. We want to support them when they're hurting. We want to, you know, and, and it can so easily go over that edge, can't it? Well, that's the, that's the situation that, um, uh, our concern can um, be born of fear. It can be born out of a sense of lack. It can be also arising because um, we need to be well regarded by others. And so we don't want to seem like a selfish, self-concerned person. Yes. It can also just be kind of unskillful. Yeah, just unskillful. Yeah. And so what's the next one? Altruism is the first. Um. So the first one is altruism. The second is empathy. Mm. And it's that capacity that we have to um, connect uh, with others and to begin to expand our subjectivity in such a way that we include possibly the physical experience of another into our own physical experience or the emotional experience of another into our own emotional experience or the cognitive perspective that others have. And we begin to see out of, you know, how others see the world. Mm. So that, that's really important. You know, a parent has to do that all the time. You've got to be able to see how your kid sees the world, sees you, sees the situation that is causing uh, distress. Yes. Um, you know, you, you as a parent, you, you naturally, or mostly naturally, include your child into your subjectivity you know you fuse you identify with your child yeah and yeah. then of course uh somatically you know if your child is hungry you probably know before even the child knows mm. so that over identification is uh, that identification process is so important but if you over identify um the experiences of your child for example can cause you to become disabled 
Yes. Yeah. And, and I can really relate to that personally, um, just from having, you know, my youngest son who's had a lot of, has a lot of learning differences, has a lot of neurological differences. And, um, I so wanted um, him to have what he wants. He wants to just be in in public school all day with his friends, you know, and I have so much empathy for that. I can just feel it within me as to how much he wants that. And, and I can't give it to him. And so I've definitely found myself in empathetic distress over the years, just, just like a puddle on the floor because he's in so much pain and I've put myself in so much pain. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you know, your son sees the world and experiences the world, I presume, in a way that is um, unique to his situation. Yeah. And, you know, our desire to normalize our kids is just natural. Yeah. Yeah, it is natural. It is natural. And, and that empathy also, you know, engages me as well, which you talk a lot in the book, right? Each one of these edge states can engage us in the world in a deeper way. And it, that empathy launches me to get creative and to homeschool him. And, you know, this coming year, we're doing kind of a combination of public school for his electives, but home for his core subjects. And so mm-hmm. that, I feel like that empathy has just engaged me to action as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that parents of kids who are, you know, quotes, normal, um, probably have, you know, rest in that normalcy. Yeah. But, you know, when a kid is, is uh, unusual yeah. and unusually structured, um, you know, it's a different set of skills that we're required to develop uh, yeah. because, you know, we want everybody in our culture in a funny way to be kind of the same, mm-hmm. in a, you know, a, a narrower range. Yeah. Of, um, uh, thinking types and behavior types and so on. Mm -hmm. So what a great opportunity, you know, but scary. I, 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 you know, I, I want to ask you is just um, how you, you know, how you work that in your life. I'm I'm curious about that, Shell. Well, you know, certainly the practices of awareness and mindfulness and meditation, support me so much off where empathy is concerned. I can point to that just kind of knowing where I end and he begins. So I think it's so easy to feel, you mentioned that earlier, that merge that can happen between parent and child. And so that embodied awareness, like knowing the sensations of my body and, and being able to come back to myself when I, mm-hmm. you, know, you can catch yourself. I mean, the body doesn't lie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, actually, the body is one of the most powerful media for us discovering, you know, what is relevant for us, what is salient for us. Mm. So, you know, good, good for you that you know that either because you're smart and you've studied or intuitively. Yeah. You figure that out, you know. And when you begin to pay attention or give attention, I don't I pay attention, it's kind of a funny thing, but you know, give attention to the body. The body is telling you faster than your conceptual mind can uh, grok that, hey, um I'm 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 losing my balance here. Yeah. You, know, you feel yourself tense up or expand with joy and you know, the body's telling you. 
Yes. Yes. And what are some of the things that you suggest um, when we slip over into empathetic distress? So assuming we're having empathy, we are blessed enough to notice we've, we've moved over into empathetic distress, you know, we're suffering um, in some way. What are some of the ways that you suggest people get, get um, you know, um, for me, uh, one of the most important things is coming back to attentional balance. That is, um, really gathering our attention uh, in a way. Usually for me, it's um, doing that uh, through um, the, the experience of, um, of uh, taking an in-breath. Mm. And on the exhale, really dropping into the body. Mm. And, you know... Um, Doing that in a way that where uh, I, I, it, in the grace process that I teach, it's gathering your attention. And when you're gathering your attention, you're also um, releasing all of your kind of clinging to the external world. Mm. Um, and uh, you're allowing yourself to really rest in the physical experience of the inhale. Mm. And what's the, re- remind me what the rest of grace is. Yeah. So, you know, it's um, gathering your attention on and then dropping into the body on the exhale. And then the R of grace is recalling your intention. You know, remember really why you're here. Mm. Allow yourself to be resourced by your intention. Um, it's so important for us to have a, a motivation that is selfless that is really about benefiting others so you know you're a mom um your motivation is to do the best thing possible for your offspring for your child for your son and that is um you know even if you get all crossed up it's like whoa the first thing i want to remember is i am this person's mother Mm. and i want the best for him there can possibly be like that yeah. You know, it's like affirming your values yeah. in a really deep way. Yeah, so uh, that's... And then um, the A of grace is uh, attuning to your own um, physical experience, attuning to what emotions are present for you, attuning to how you're seeing the world, you know, what thoughts are arising for you. And then, um, you know, having... A sense of, are there biases here? Am I kind of being carried away by fear? Mm. And then allowing yourself to get grounded again, remembering again really why you're here. And then open yourself to a tune in in your situation um, to uh, your son. And open your subjectivity, expand it so you include him. Mm. So that's the A of grace, attunement. First to self and then to other. And then the sea of grace is from this base that's attentional, that's intentional, that is attuned. Um, You want to bring insight into play. You want to consider what will really serve. Mm. And so, uh, you know, you go through this process that is, you know, both based on, um, you know, your experience uh, as uh, a mom, your experience with your child, and, you know, and also the, allowing the space for the intuitive or the non-conceptual 
or to see things in a really fresh way. Mm. So that's the sea of grace. Consider what will really serve. Okay. And then at, from that base, the E of grace, which is engage, you know, what action arises out of those processes that we engage in. Wow, what a beautiful practice. Yeah, it is. And then end, you know, ending is really critical that we are able to actually, um, you know, conclude an interaction of compassion that um, uh, a kind of letting go, you know, appreciation. Or maybe you have to say to your son, I'm so sorry, I, I was really kind of unskillful or I just didn't see what was really happening or acknowledge or appreciate and express gratitude. Yeah. So ending is really important. Mm. And can you p- speak a little bit to the difference between empathy and compassion? Because now we've mm-hmm. brought in both. And I know there's, you know, that's an important difference for parents mm-hmm. to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, our experience of empathy is when we're in resonance with um, uh, another. And that experience of resonance is really important. You know, it's that, that sense of connection, the sense of understanding is present. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we intend to alleviate the suffering of another. Yeah. Whereas specifically, compassion is being able to sense into what will that suffering is present. And it's our intention to be a benefit to the other person. Okay. Thank you. And so moving on from empathy, integrity. Integrity is so important. And this really has to do with how we reflect our values. Mm. um, What principles guide us. And, um, you know, living a life of integrity and engendering integrity in the world is, you know, so, uh, I mean, when we're out of alignment with our values, um, we feel it. We feel it physically. We feel it somatically. We feel it, you know, in the body. And, of course, we can't hew a perfect line. And so, um, you know, part of being in integrity is to have the sort of, realistic perspective that you know no matter how good a mom I want to be how good a dad I want to be I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the rails yes and um you know but I I will do the best that I can yeah yeah and I can also imagine this um you know I'm relating it to my family where we'll periodically have you know a family meeting or gathering um just to talk about like, who are we as a family, mm-hmm. right? What do we stand for? Mm-hmm. And what do I stand for, you know, individually mm-hmm. as a parent? Like what matters to me? Um, you know, I, I always tell my kids one of the most important, um, you know, what matters most to me. I, like I know I'm going to be in integrity as a parent. If you go off to college or, you know, off on your, you know, you're launched into the world and you know yourself, you know, you have a knowing of your inner world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's one of my values. Yeah. Right? Well, that's, um, that is really important. Um, you know, self-understanding, self-honesty, self-knowledge, mm-hmm. really, really critical. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's 
you I feel you carry that. I'm you know, I've come to know you uh, in various ways and feel such appreciation for you and the work that you do and mm. know how important it is for um, you know, your voice out in the world in relation to how we can be mindful parents. Yes. And, um, you know, you're doing a terrific job in spreading, um, you know, opening this possibility. I mean, I think parenting is, I know, I was oddly parented. And, um, you know, I don't think parents are very well trained. No. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, my God, what, you know, how is, how is all this, how do you do this? Um, but yeah. basically, you know, you're getting the message out there. But anyway, about integrity, um, you know, I, I name four ways that um, people experience moral suffering. And I think, you know, I think they relate very deeply into the experience of parenting. Mm. Um, and the, the first one is um, moral distress. Um, and that's when, you know, we see like with your, your kid, I don't know, you know, I don't know the story of your child and your family, but you know, you see um, difficulties are happening and the school system is, you know, not being necessarily uh, accommodating. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, you know, there are other kids who are, have even, you know, fewer resources than you have. You have lots of resources available as a practitioner. Yes. I really looked at parenting. And you see a way through, but um, uh, the school system won't let you implement it. Right. And so you experience moral distress because you know that kids who are unusual don't have to suffer like your child is suffering. Right. Kids like your kid. Yes. Um, so that's moral distress. And then moral injury is, um, for example, uh, maybe you experience a moral injury where, you know, you see your son actually being related to in a way that you feel is really harmful and it actually hurts you. So that's one form of moral injury, um, mm -hmm. you know, where you feel violated um, by how your child is being treated. Okay. And then moral outrage, you know, you can, I can imagine you have a little flash of that every once in a while. You know, you, you just feel like, well, gosh, I, I've got a grandstand on this. I have to really send my voice. I feel anger and disgust at how... Some kids are being raised or some kids are being treated. We can't treat our children like this. I know I feel moral outrage every time I think about the family separation issue. Oh, yes. You know, I mean, wow, if my child, if I had a child, my child had to go through this. Wow. Yes. You know, that's moral outrage. Yeah. And then moral apathy is when, you know, you're in the bubble of pri privilege or you just don't pay attention to how your kid is suffering or how other children are suffering. And, you're just, you know, through either through being uh, addicted or just uh, ignorant or conscientiously ignorant in a certain way yeah. or in the bubble of privilege, you know, you have, you're so lucky, but not everybody, you know, you think, my God, if I were separated from my child, my child was sent to a detention center. And, oh, my Lord. You know, but you don't feel apathy, but so many people just don't even care. So yeah. that moral apathy, and this is a violation of, of basic social integrity. Yes. So these are just, you know, just random thoughts that I'm having of, you know, how these models and aspects that I've developed in this uh, new book that I just uh, finished 
that's just out on, you know, how they, some of the things that uh, relate to the parenting yeah. And then uh part. And then of course uh the another edge state I talk about is respect and and then disrespect. And bullying is a big issue in the whole realm of disrespect. I have a big section on bullying in the book. Mm. And, you know, um it's a it's pretty fascinating to see, you know, our our political leaders um, you know, behaving in ways that we wouldn't even con- you know, permit in our schoolyard. No, no, in our homes, in our schoolyard, we wouldn't permit that. So, you know, it's a, it's a very, you know, we, we're living in a time where disrespect is rampant. And, um, you know, what can we do as parents to instill respect for civility within our kids, the life of our children, and so that we can have a civil generation in the future? Yeah. The civility. And then the last edge state that I write about in the book is burnout. And, you know, uh, boy. boy. This one's for parents. (laughs) Yeah. Why don't you say, um, uh, go for it, Michelle. Yeah. (laughs) It's burnout. Well, you know, I, I, I really connected to this need for self-care in the book, you know, for people who are doing any, in any kind of helping profession and supporting the world, mm-hmm. this need for self-care on the path of parenting is so mm-hmm. critical to be able to, you know, repair ourselves, repair any injuries that are, you know, emotional injuries that are broken in the family, um, you know, and also for loving ourselves and loving the world. I mean, yeah without self-care as a parent, I mean, we are, we are headed for burnout, you know, and we may, yeah. And I know parents come in and out, um, of, of burnout. Like I know a lot of parents, a lot of parents that I've worked with, it kind of comes and goes where they're just depleted completely. And out of that desperation, they'll take care of themselves, right. Instead of, instead of just taking a little bit of time, you know, each day. I mean, I find that a lot with parents. You got it. I mean, that is so true. It's, uh, again, (laughs) it shows you how burnout is related to pathological altruism. Yes. And often, you know, related to uh, empathic distress, you know, where we feel too much empathy for the people around us. We can't um, uh, step back a little bit, give some space. So all these things are interrelated in a fascinating way. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I show in the book how these edge states uh, relate one to the other. I try to anyway. Yes, you do a beautiful job of doing that. And also how, you know, sharing, I mentioned this earlier, but that, that, that our greatest challenges are our most valuable, you know, sources for wisdom. You talk about that, right? You know, um, we all uh, go off the rails. We all hit the wall in one way or another. You know, even the great teachers lose their temper. Um, uh, Yeah. So (laughs) what what can we do? We better be able to learn from these experiences. Besides which, uh, happily, they um, 
they, they this kind of difficulty produces uh, in the best situation a kind of humility. Yes, it does produce humility. And you also talk about how the way out of all of these is through compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, I am so uh, moved by the power of compassion. It is truly a win-win situation. Yeah. Um, it's a situation where, um, uh, you know, we benefit others through uh, manifesting compassion and others also are benefited. Um, uh, we, you know, we ourselves are benefited. Yeah. And so, you know, this is one of those things where um, everybody benefits. And then, you know, even if you're uh, standing, watching somebody who's being compassionate, you get benefit. <sighs> and, and also, uh, compassion is kind of catching. You know, yeah. you see people who are compassionate and you want to be compassionate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wonder if you could speak a little bit to, um, and I'm, I'm sure this is something that you've worked with, um, with people out in the field um, doing, um, doing difficult work, you know, where they're kind of pushed to their edges, where there's kind of this balance of compassion and boundaries, you know, and I'm kind of putting self-care in there as well. I know with parenting, that's such a big one, um, you know, that there's, we, we want to be compassionate and we also want to hold boundaries so we can take care of ourselves. Yeah, Michelle, I think this is really important. I, I think compassion is not uh, um, a process or an experience um, where, uh, which is sloppy. I think there's a kind of precision. You know, one of the things you learn about empathy and uh, empathic distress is that the way we transform empathic distress is through the insight that self and other are are separate in certain ways. And with compassion, compassion is not a sloppy thing. I mean, um, uh, some of the most compassionate acts toward me have been ones where strong boundaries were drawn or where no was uh, shared Mm. (laughs) in a very firm way. So, uh, you know, somehow I think uh, we equate compassion with permissiveness. And maybe maybe, um, at the deepest level, permissiveness is there. But it's not promiscuity, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Sense of permission to say no, mm. if you will. Yeah. Yes. And that, is that helpful, do you think? I mean, uh, yes, that is so helpful with parents. This permission to say no, because it can be really difficult in parenting to create those boundaries. It just can mush over so quickly into permissiveness. And and then you create boundaries, but then, you know, they go to the wayside. And, you know, I've found it in my home. I mean, we have a, a book where we have family agreements and we sit down and whatever it might be about using the iPhone or about using video games or about how we communicate to each other. You know, anytime there's an issue in the home, we can sit down and, and create these boundaries, you know, with compassion. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, then, and then they fall to the wayside. Um, and we have to come back and look at them again. And so it, it's very fluid, right? 
It, it is fluid, but also I think there's uh, something about that kind of discipline. Yes. Um, that uh, about keeping agreements and mm-hmm. taking responsibility that, you know, if parents manifest it, the kids are probably going to follow suit in one way or another. But I don't know. I'm not, you know, a biological parent. So. I think you're exactly right. I mean, when my work with parents is always, you know, when they'll come and complain about the kids, you know, all these things, but you got to know, like, all these things my kids are doing. And, and my first response is usually, you know, don't worry about the kids. Like, you know, we're going to worry about ourselves. Not that we don't worry about the kids, but we're going to focus on us. You know, mm-hmm. when we live mm-hmm. in these ways, then, then our children naturally learn to. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes. I think. Yeah. Well, right. I, you know, I just thank you so much for um, what you're doing for postmodern pa- parenting. I think yeah. it's really visionary. Yeah. And I'm so grateful also, Michelle, that my book has been of service to you. I, I think that it um, is a really meaningful book for um, for parents in this day and age. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I hope everyone listening goes out and purchase it. purchases it. It's called Standing at the Edge, Finding Freedom Where Fear and Courage Meet, which is where we live as parents. Wonderful. <laughs> Not wonderful, but yes. That's where we live as parents, and, and I think this is where we live as humans. This yes. is where we really come alive. Yes. Well, yes. great heart to you, and thank you for uh, inviting me to be on your podcast. I'm just very honored. Yes, well, I'm honored to have you. Thank for taking the time, and we will say goodbye to you and say goodbye to our listeners. May you meet this moment fully. May you meet this moment with kindness towards yourself and others. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. Michelle's new book, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Living with Presence and Parenting with Purpose, is now available at Amazon and at mindfulparentingbook.com. Get your copy today.